Welcome back to Two Amigos. My name is Carter Melrose, and Jorge is with me as well. Hi, Jorge. Hey, Carter. How you doing? By the way, I just want to, you know, our listeners to understand the age difference between you and I, where I just made a reference to the OC, and you have no idea what that show is. I still don't know what it is. Is it like a hospital-based show? OC? No, it's, it's about Orange County, like a high school in Orange County, and like Rachel Bilson was there, and the guy that then went on to do Gotham was on there as well. It was a fun <laughs> show. I'm so like lost. High, it was like a high school drama. Okay. Was it good? It was fun. It had, it had its moments, I guess. The OC. So you grew up with that? Was that your show? I, it's not my show. Like, I grew up with Friends, Friday Night Lights. Um, but yeah, the OC is from my time period, if, if that's what you're asking. Okay. So you would say, though, that your number one show growing up was not the OC. Yeah, it, it was. was, it was what was your number one show? I would say Friday Night Lights or The West Wing. Friday Night Lights or The West Wing. So yeah. a, fri- uh, a a football-based show. Did you like the movie Friday Night Lights or no? I like the show better, but the movie is pretty good. But then when you, when oh, you yeah. research the real story behind Dallas Carter, the team that they play in state, you feel really bad for them, by the way. Wait, what's the, give me the punchline on that. So like, you gotta yeah, tell like, me. You know, in the movie, they're portrayed like this big bad team that's like super dirty, that the referees were calling the game for, that were basically bullying the other guys. And it's not, it's actually like an inner city high school that had a lot of economic struggles and stuff like that. And players were falsely accused of stealing things to get them suspended for the game. Like it was a whole thing. Dang. Okay. That's pretty insane. I'll I'll be honest though, out of the two between the show and the movie, the movie's the classic for me. And then the TV show kind of just like, it just goes, Hey, you liked the movie, didn't you? We'll give you a little bit more of the same. Let me say this to the listeners. If you have watched the show and you've watched Matt Saracen, I swear to God, Carter looks a lot like Matt Saracen. I look better. I don't know what he looks like, but (laughs) I'll tell you right now. I'm a hot puppy. That's for sure. Okay. Well, let's, let's get on to Dolphins talk. They don't want to, they don't want to hear this stuff. Let's go, let's go headlines. Okay. Wait, you're telling me they don't show to hear about or innate broship. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I don't think they want to hear about how hot I think I am, is my point. <laughs> because it's I am pretty hot. All right, let's go, though. Uh, let's do some headlines. Let's do – we got three big ones. One of them super sad. Do you want to do good news or bad news first? Let's do bad news first. Okay, so the, the worst news of the last week is this Isaiah, Isaiah Wilson story. Super sad. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's uh, a bad situation for him, yeah, for sure. What do you think? What do you think about it? Uh, I did my, my master's thesis or capstone project on basically providing athletes with a support network to help them navigate life. And sadly enough, Isaiah Wilson is the perfect example of why that's needed. I mean, he, this is a kid that's super talented, physically super gifted, that makes it to the pros. Uh, the odds of him getting there were you know less than 1%. And he's going to throw it all away because he's surrounded by back company and people that are not pushing him to be his best self. And if we go back to, uh, to draft night, we all remember that scene when his girlfriend was hugging him, his mom came over, pushed her away. Um, and you can tell that the structure around, around this idea seems to be one where people are just uh, looking out for, for themselves and looking out for number one and not looking out for what's best for his idea. 
Yes. And can you tell the audience if they don't know what just happened just recently with him? Yeah. So, so recently there, there came a, well, first of all, Dolphins cut him three days after the trip. That was sad. Um, the reason they cut him was that he was late for induction. He committed to go do some offseason workouts, which he didn't show up for. And the Dolphins offered to help him basically get his life together. And he refused to help. And this comes also on the heels of him getting arrested in January for speeding away at 140 miles per hour. Now, like the rest of the world, I do uh, the metric system, so I'm not sure how fast that is, but I know it's fast. And <laughs> there, there was also some drug paraphernalia. There was apparently some weapons on board the vehicle. Uh, the police actually had to uh, call off the, sh- the chase just because it was so dangerous for everyone involved. Then they found out the car was, uh, they, they found the car wrecked miles ahead. Fortunately, apparently they walked away safely. There were two people on the vehicle and that news came out today as well. So honestly, I, I think Carter, that sadly enough, he, he goes on to become a big bust, uh, first, first round bust. And I don't see any team giving him a second chance ever again. So when I heard of Isaiah Wilson, uh, was coming to the Dolphins, I started doing a little bit of research and I'm like, wow, this guy's talented, right? That's what I first, and I'm like, I have no idea how, uh, you know, you know, tainted his life might be for the Titans to release him after one year or trade him to us after one year. I thought, okay, you don't give up on first rounders. And then it turns out we were, we were set to cut him like a week later, basically like two weeks later, uh, because in the introduction of him coming to the Dolphins right away, he just could not put his life back on track. He had, you know, he missed the intro. He missed the, 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 you know, all of the medical stuff he had to do for the Dolphins. It's insane how quickly he, he threw away his, really his, maybe his last shot. And the only thing is, I know you have a lot of sympathy there, but I also have, uh, this is a very overarching stories with athletes is that throughout your life, when you're that talented, people tell you from day one that you're super, super special. Yep. It's all about you are special and you have a lot of can't lose cards. You go through college, you know, professors give you some leeway on assignments. You, you know, you can do kind of whatever you want to get away with it. And I think Isaiah Wilson kind of fell a little bit trapped to that. I don't know his life too well, but when you get to the NFL and you're still doing these bad things, thinking you can get away with it and have can't lose cards throughout your entire life, you're eventually going to be in a car going 140 miles an hour and it's going to crash or something. But here, so, here's the thing as well. Here's the I thing. don't know. Um, I mean, the thing with so many athletes that we've seen coming in that have, you know, not exactly the best structure around them, there's a certain will to remain playing the game because that's where they feel safe. That's what empowers them. That was giving them the, 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 the car that you're talking about. With Isaiah Wilson, there seems to be a complete disregard for the game for what he's achieved. And he seems to think that the $1 million that he got in signing bonus or whatever, because most of his contract was voided, um, is going to be able to sustain his life. And the people around him are, are going to stay there for him. And here's the sad part. Those, those same people that are milking him for what he's worth right now and going out and enabling this behavior are the first ones that are going to quit on him as soon as he, you know, as he stops having that money. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. I, I guess I see your point on like that most athletes find like that really deep solace from life in the game. Yeah. And it does seem like what I know from Isaiah Wilson, it almost seemed like he just wanted 
<laughs> to live a certain lifestyle and football gave him that lifestyle and yeah. then it took it away as well yeah absolutely. well and, and you know it's it's going to be it's just that situation it's that, it's that reminder as well that you know talent is not everything and and mentality hard having that commitment is um is is the most important I, I was reading a tweet saying oh well maybe he needs a strong coach that can connect with him okay he's been coached by mike vrabel and by brian flores if those two <laughs> coaches were unable to you know to break through to him there's not a coach in the league right now that's going to be able to do it better belichick no way no way. i know I, I i i'm just kidding i'm just trying to trigger you <laughs> um no but you're right those are the two of like the strongest and most like disciplined coaches all about winning and they still weren't able to do anything for isaiah wilson well anyways we'll we'll kind of update that story as it unveils a little bit but that's all we know so far okay and i said good or bad news to open the show on these headlines but i think i have some more bad news because one of our ex-boyfriends kyle van noy is talking mad trash and uh I, I suppose tell everyone what he what his comments were about the Dolphins, and we can talk about it. Okay, first of all, there there was there, there came a report out of Boston. Uh, I'm, I don't remember the report. I, I know it was not Ben Volen, who's basically hobbyist who tries to go, but it was the other guy, and basically saying that a, a player, a former player from the Dolphins, told him that guys were not happy with Coach Flores, were not buying in, that there was no trust around Tua, and basically just mm-hmm. trust the whole organization. Um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't name names, but it's pretty easy to, to do the math. When you see Kyle Vanoy had just signed with the Patriots the day before officially um, when this report came out. And then afterwards, uh, today, and I call, I, I'm not sure who was doing the interview with, with Kyle Vanoy. He was asked, how does Brian Flores, the linebacker coach, compare to Brian Flores, the head coach? And he said, no comment, in a very dismissive tone. Let's remember as well that Kyle Vanoy did not have the best relationship with Miami media uh, throughout his stay in Miami. And let's also remember that there was a report from Armando Solquero from the Miami Herald a couple of weeks ago saying that a defensive player told him that Tua basically sucked, that no one wanted to play, that Fitz was better, and that they were very disappointed when Tua was named the starter for the finale. Um Lest we remember that Fitz was actually injured, well, out for COVID protocol for that game. So it's pretty clear that if you want two plus two, the, the, the guy behind that report was Calvinor. And the guy behind the blind quotes in the Boston media was Calvinor. Um, look, I get it. He's hurt. He's been a star. Uh, he came to Miami and didn't really have an impact. I mean, let's, let's be honest. He wasn't worth the salary he's getting paid. And he's now back. In, uh, in in New England, basically making less than half what he was going to make here this season. So I disagree with you. I think he was kind of the linchpin for the defense. But, I, I mean, that's debatable. Obviously, you, you have to, you know, look at a little bit more than stats if you're going to make that argument for Kyle Van Noy. I think off the field, you can tell that that, that unit, that linebacking unit was could struggle without Van Noy. And, but what I'll say, though, is – of course, he is salty about this breakup. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, coming to the Dolphins, he gets this big chunk, uh, you know, salary because he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, presumably, right? And when the Dolphins cut him or break up with him uh, after one season saying, you're not worth this salary, of course, he's going to come into the media or, of course, he's going to go behind closed doors and say crap 
about his ex because that just happens every single time in breakups. But the one thing uh, I will say is that I do I do like Kyle Van Noy's impact on this team, and I thought we were a top five defense, be, you know, because of him. And I do think it's a big loss, but I mean, that's where I stand. Here's the thing. I mean, I think that the signings that Dolphins have made, and by the way, if you think I'm going to know all these names by heart by now, you'd be mistaken. Um, here's what <laughs> okay. There was another podcast with, I believe, Adam Beasley and Armando Salguero, where it was reported that Vanoy was not popular within the locker room. Okay. He was basically the anti-Fitz. Like, everyone loved Fitz. Everyone hated Michael Vanoy. Like, I, I wasn't in the, in the mm. locker room. I, I don't know what was going on. I'm not going to speak to that. What I will say is this. David Cantor, the, the DC management agent, when he was with Finmaniacs uh, during our fundraising over New Year's and Christmas, he, he said in the program, and you can go back and look at that everyone loves Coach Flores and everyone loves playing for Coach Flores. Okay? So mm -hmm. yeah, we lost by 50 in the, in the season finale. There was something going on there. Uh, who knows what happened? Honestly, I'm, I, I wouldn't go out and say that Coach Flores has lost the locker room. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they how the team responds to him now that Fitz and Calvanoi, the two oldest players in last year's roster, are out. And new leaderships are going to need to emerge. And I think that – and I, I that's why I think that we're going to see a lot of um, – of Alabama players coming in, in the, in the draft to help to and let him build that leadership around, around him. Okay. Well, I, I have one more thing to say about Kyle Van Noy, and then I want to move on to our last headline because we have one more. And then of course we have more show happening with you, but the, the last thing I'll say about Kyle Van Noy is uh, these, these uh, two Dolphins uh, Patriots game this upcoming season are going to be prime time football. I hope, I, I pray that both of these are either Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday night football. I know you hate primetime football, but I love it. And uh, the one thing I will say is because we got some bad blood on these teams right now. We have a lot of players switching places. We have like, we're just playing musical chairs with these players. I'm loving it. And I'm excited to uh, beat Cam Newton twice. I'm so excited. I mean, it's going to be interesting, obviously, them having Kyle Vanoy there. Uh, he's, you know, big in the mental aspect of the game, so he's going to be able to give them some clues on Dolphins' defense. The Dolphins' offense, I think, is going to be an enigma to them. I mean, Ted Karras is going to be back in New England, being the backup to David Andrews. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it's going to gotcha. be I doubt I, – I, I think Gottschall left Miami in another – in a rather positive tone, right? I, I don't think he hates Miami. And the Dolphins have Butler, who I think is actually a better player than, than Devon Gottschall. I think they're all pretty similar, to be honest. Uh, but it, it's going to be exciting. I do, I do like that the, the Patriots are loading up so much and uh, are looking maybe to be that number two in the AFC East. But I still think that the Dolphins are on such a positive trajectory right now that I still do think we at least uh, split but I think we sweep them this, this next season. I don't know. That's just me. Let's bookmark that idea and let's go to the third headline. All right. Is this one so, positive or is this one going to be negative as well? This one is, this one's really positive actually. So we ended on a positive is it, is, it, is it, is it, is it not the fact that we are no longer the favorite children of Finn Maniacs that Hussam Patel <laughs> working overtime and putting out thousands and thousands of profiles and doing a fantastic job scouting for the draft has actually is a new favorite. Yeah. 
than your favorite podcast, you're at Finmaniacs. <laughs> I'm going to officially threaten Hassan to, to slow down his, his workload so that we can look a little bit better, okay? <laughs> um, he needs to stop. He really does. He's putting out left and right article, 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 and we only have one, one thing a week to, sh- to shine, which is two amigos, so. Yeah, for sure. And we actually don't take it that seriously, so you know, you know what that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. This is the happy headline we got for you uh, over this last week, and it's uh, Lando Roberts is back. Jorge, what do you think? I mean, it's a, he's a, he's defensive captain coming back. Uh, I was reading a tweet, I think, from Matt Canada uh, this week saying, you might say he's a, a one pon- a one trick pony, but it's a pretty good trick. And he's right. I think he's a great run stuffer. I think he brings leadership to that unit. I love that resigning. It gives us depth. Uh, takes out the need for a thumper in the draft uh, early on. And I think the Dolphins' strategy in free agency was basically that. Fill all the needs with serviceable veterans and then go into the draft with the possibility of picking best player available and just building a strong roster through the draft. That is exactly what I'm thinking about this signing. I don't, I don't, I really don't remember that many plays from Roberts this last year. I remember he, (laughs) he was in on a lot of tackles and all those fun things, but I mean, what he will do is just fill a gap so that we can focus on the, the sexier picks of the draft. That's all I really care about is that is as long as we fill that, you know, that linebacker, we, we have a, you know, that third or fourth linebacker at this point, we can look to uh, tight end or wide receiver or running back in the draft in the first couple of rounds. And that's really all I care about. I agree. I agree with you. And I think that given the signings that they've made, I doubt we're going to see them doubling down on any position, especially wide receiver. I think we're going to see one premium talent added to that group but I just don't see how you put in two rookies in that, in that 13 man room right now. Um, I think definitely a big need for this team is a long-term backup to Tua. So David Mills, Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman. I, I keep my eye, eye out on those, on those kind of names. Well, that's a perfect segue to our first debate of the show. And uh, I, we have to go back to our roots. All right. Two Amigos has always been about disagreeing with one another. Okay. I want, uh, there to be blood okay here's my debate for two amigos today if will fuller this year the wide receiver we signed the big boy that we signed if will fuller is the only wide receiver added to this roster uh until uh you know the snap of week one so would no, you no, be no wide receivers drafted is what you're saying i'm saying or or a you know a wide receiver that won't even that maybe is a project in, in so round three or four. A fourth rounder to seventh rounder is, that, is what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If there is no other wide receiver uh, added to this, you know, top three or top four until week one, would you be okay with that with the Will Fuller signing? Look, I think Will Fuller is a, a great talent. He, he is one of those receivers that really forces the defense to play back because he can just take the lid off at any point. You've got Devante Park on the other side playing possession which I think is a pretty good combo. Uh, again, you know how much I love Lynn Bowden. I mean, you, you know how, how high expectations I've got for him. Um, yeah, you do. Playing in this lot, I think, with Fuller, you know, basically taking that safety away. Devontae Parker keeping the other safety focused because he's such a big possession, a strong receiver. Miles Gaskin clearing the middle. I think there's going to be a lot of space for Lynn Bowden. I do think that Jalen Waddell, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, you know, Devontae Smith, even Rashad Bateman, 
gives you an add a plus in that unit. But if we weren't to add them and instead focus on the offensive line, like you know, I want to, I'd be fine with it. You'd be fine with it. Okay, perfect. As I long, disagree. As long as they build on that offensive line and they give me Wyatt Davis, give me Tevon Jenkins, give me those sort of guys in the draft. Slater. Slater, <laughs> who I love. You know, I love him. I know you do, but okay. I totally disagree because uh, I'll say this right now for the record, the Dolphins now have the riskiest starting three wide receivers in the entire NFL. We have players that are either injury prone or violation prone. That is the entire top three wide receivers on this team. Devontae Parker can't violation probe. We feel Will Flores has been suspended once in his career for an accident, for drinking a, a, a supplement that he didn't know was banned. It's not a systemic okay. thing. And let's also okay. remember that the NFL's PED policy is completely arbitrary where a lot of times the NFL will update the list of banned substances and not let the players know where there's been an instance where of a former player that went into a fertility treatment and then the NFL suspended him for that, even though it was medically approved and so on. So I'm not going to sc- allow you to tarnish Will Fuller's good name <laughs> by saying he's violation probe. Okay, but he's also injury prone. That's that, I will, that, I, that I will allow, yeah. Okay, so we have De- Devontae Parker as our number one, and he's super, super injury prone. We have Preston Williams, who you can't. If somebody get, said, I will uh, give you a 1,000 to 1 odds on, Devon, on Preston Williams playing at least half the season, I wouldn't take those odds. And Will Fuller has – and I did the math. Will Fuller has played two-thirds of his career – and one third of it, he's been injured, which is insane to me. Okay. I agree, this I top agree. three is just going to be uh, in a cast all season. And I hate Let it. Me I hate that. it. Let me counter that with that question. Who would you rather draft? And there's only two options. All right. In this scenario, Jalen Waddle coming out of that injury or Devontae Smith at 170 pounds. I want neither of them in that no, situation. This scenario, man. You have to choose one. Okay, well, Devonta Smith, we talk about it all the time that he's he's ten pounds, right? He's basically a brick, and that's that's all. And I would tell you right now that in the NFL, uh, a safety coming over the top on a hit, he's going to be out for the season. I would say I would be more uh, in on Waddle. Okay, same. I'll agree with you there. Okay, okay. I actually like so I actually like Waddle a lot. And I, I know you do, and I know you hate Smith, which I still don't understand. I don't hate Smith. Let, okay, let me clarify. If a team like the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins on one side stakes Smith, I think that's a great a, a win for them. Okay? If the Green Bay Packers with Devontae Adams pick Smith, that's a great win for them. Okay? But if you're picking Smith to make him the focus of your offense and basically forcing the other team to take him away, then you're going to be – you're going to find yourself without your top wide receiver for a few weeks because he's too light to be the focus of any offense. And that's what Dolphins need right now. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, if we draft Smith, it's going to be the, the four broken boys out there. So I, I, I want none. The four none broken boys. I like, I like the nickname. I like, by the way, when did we become a show that trashes the Dolphins? I don't know, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm not trashing the Dolphins, but I really like, you I just love call them the four hurt boys, man. <laughs> the broken boys. The broken boys, man. It's it's true, though. I, I really wish that these guys could stay out on the field. Uh, at least Gesicki, you know, knock on wood, is usually healthy. Okay. The um, final the final thing I would like – now, this is not the final thing, but 
what would you say is the best free agent signing or best thing we've done in the offseason? And then we'll go on to worst. I would say, honestly, signing Matt Squirrel. Nice. I think that, that's the best one. I think the worst one. I don't know. I'm actually pretty happy with what the Dolphins have done. I mean, I think we can we can go out and say, oh, I shouldn't have they shouldn't have traded for you. Say Wilson. I mean, they traded seventh round picks. That's not a big deal. Um, I, I'm happy with what they've done. To be honest with you, I, I mean, I think okay. I would have loved Alex Smith to be Tua's backup, but I understand why they didn't do that. Yeah, I know you. You talked uh, Alex Smith as backup for like multiple weeks, like unprompted. I, I didn't even bring up Alex Smith or like anything to do with a backup quarterback and you bring up Alex Smith. But I think to be honest, Jacoby Brissett is probably a better player at this point in his career. So I think we win that, you know, the, um, the best for me is the exact same one you did because we needed to sure up that center position before the draft, or we would have been scrambling. So I'm glad that we did that. And also, like we've talked about on the show, it's all about making a wall. And we have never had a wall in the recent memory for any of our quarterbacks. So that's exciting. And um, I would say the least, the worst and the biggest loss, I already talked about at the top of the show. I hate Kyle Van Noy leaving this team. I know that he trashed the Dolphins in the media a little bit. I Maybe he did it behind closed doors, but I just think like, if we don't, if like we we didn't replace him with anyone nearly as talented, so I think this wait is... wait wait wait. First of all, let me just go counter that. So Calvinoy's role in this defense was to make impact plays. All right, that's why you're getting paid thirty million a year. Okay, it's not about oh. It, I understand that he was very good at setting the edge, and when he was absent, the Dolphins struggled doing that. I get it, but if you're getting paid thirty million a year, you better be doing more than just setting the edge. And honestly, we had Andrew Van Ginkle coming on. And I understand they, they're two different players. They, they do, they both rush the pass. And that's about the, the, the only thing that they do um, the same. But I mean, we, we also have, you know, and, and this is where I'm going to go with, you know, we just signed uh, Brennan Scarlett from the Texans, who is pretty good at setting the edge, who's going to come at a fact fraction of the prize and is going to be able to set that edge opposite Andrew Van Ginkle. We've got Vince Beagle coming back. We've got Jerome Baker uh, you know, so I, I, I like the, the way the Dolphins are building that linebacker core. And I honestly, I know that you're missing your, 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 your man, your guy, your favorite defense, the Dolphins defender, apparently Kyle Vannoy, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're not going to feel his absence after a few weeks. No, you're probably right. I, you're probably right. I'll back off on it. I just get a little heated. Um, but yes, you're, you're probably right. You made me feel a little bit better. All right, let's do this. Let me just ask you a question. Let me just ask you a question. Did Kyle Vannoy yeah. call you to say goodbye? <laughs> He didn't, and how dare he? I know. You know? I know. Changel didn't call me either, and we were so close last year. No, you you belittled him on live podcasts. Wait, let me just say uh, this. I actually gave him props when he called a good game, and the way he thanked me for that was throwing a neck the next game. <laughs> All right? Laid a neck yeah. the next game. He made me look like an idiot that didn't know about football. So, yes, I'm very hurt, and I'm not sure if Chan and I can be friends again. <laughs> Okay, so here's my question then. Do you think if uh, Chan Gailey listened to all of our podcasts during the season, you could face him and he would be uh, he would respect you after what you said about him? This I think he should. I think he should. Yes. 
<laughs> okay, well, whatever. We'll we'll never find that out. Okay, here's the the last thing we'll do. We'll do some draft talk. Not too much, of course, because we're we're still a month out from the draft. But uh, here's some hypotheticals for you, Jorge. The first one: Would you actually hate Suell? I, I don't know how to say his last name. At three, yes, would I you would. hate it that bad? Yes, I would. First of all, you he's not. not he's not that much of an upgrade over Austin Jackson. Number one. Number two, the Dolphins have to value the left tackle position differently because their, their right tackle is the blind side protector, all right? And Panay Sewell is not a good right tackle, all right? He's not a good right, right tackle. Has he I played say, right tackle in his career? He hasn't played right tackle. Rashawn Slater has played some right tackle. Tavon Jenkins is, to me, the best natural right tackle in this draft from Oklahoma State, and I would love for the Dolphins to get him because that just allows you to move Robert Hunt to right guard, Solomon Kinley to left guard, and solidify the whole line. I think it's kind of dumb – and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I didn't even think about that of like, okay, well, Tua is, you know, the right tackle is way more important than the left tackle for Tua. And last uh, season in the first round, we picked a left tackle. Is yeah. there any like thinking behind that? Is that dumb? I, mean, I think it's just, a, you know, it's still a premium position. It's still an offensive line position. And honestly, I think Austin Jackson is going to develop into a very solid left tackle. I wouldn't go out and say that he's going to be elite, but he's going to be solid. I mean, the way you want a right tackle to be, basically, in a, in a, in a right-handed you know, backfield. I think we need to really solidify that right tackle position. Robert Hunt did a, a great job last year there. But honestly, I would rather have him at right guard and put a natural right tackle there as Tavon Jenkins. And please, for the love of God, I love Jesse Davis. I know he's great. He's a great leader. But for God's sake, if we go into the season with Jesse Davis starting along that offensive line, it's going to be a long season for Duel. Yeah, it's true. Jesse Davis makes a lot of bad, you know, a, ba- a lot of bad plays. So I see, that. I, I see that. I love the guy. I know he's a hardworking. I know he's done a lot for the Dolphins. He brings a, that gritty and, and hardworking attitude to Coach Flores Lobs. But please, for the love of God, tell me we're going to get an upgrade over him. Because I would actually love for the Dolphins to pick a tackle in the mm-hmm. draft, even if it's later on, and actually have him as a swing tackle. Alex Leatherwood, for example. Let him come in, compete with Robert Hunt for that right tackle position. Whoever loses the new swing tackle. And that's a huge upgrade over Jesse Davis. Okay, well, uh, I agree with you. Let's do our second draft talk question. And this one is based around basically the most golden boy of uh, you know Dolphins draft Twitter recently is that we've switched attention like slowly from uh, we, we wanted DeMonta Smith so badly for like a month. And that was because of the national championship game. Uh, and then we're like, you know what? Maybe Waddle is better and we should trade down and get Waddle. And now almost everyone's in on Kyle Pitts, right? Uh, here's my question to you, though. If you trade down and with the rumors that the, the Bengals could take him as high as five, is Kyle Pitts good enough at three? Do you do you even would you consider that at three? I would. I think he is a generational talent who's going to be a top five tight end by the end of the season, even top three. I would say. <clears throat> um, I know Omar Kelly doesn't like his blocking. Honestly, I think he's a better blocker than Mike Gesicki, for example. And if you bring Kyle Pitts, Mike Gesicki, Devante Parker, Will Fuller out, you know, on the lineup with running back, let's say Javante Williams or Najee Harris, even Miles Gaskin. Uh, it, it really produces some some questions for a defense and some matchup problems for them. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking up, you know, after Kyle Pitts ran his 40 uh, and everyone was freaking out about that. 
I started looking up Mike Gesicki's 40 because I remember in that draft, I was so excited for uh, Mike Gesicki and thinking like he could be a generational player or something like that because he ran a four five, um, something like that uh, at the height of six, six. So Mike, uh, to put this in perspective, Kyle Pitts has the exact same measurements as Mike Gesicki, almost down to the dot. Like uh, when it comes to like his wingspan, his height, his weight, pretty close. Okay. And uh, Kyle Pitts ran it in a four, four unofficially. But my thing is, I think at all costs, you try to get him later than three. I I agree. agree. Look, I agree. Look, you know that my favorite scenario for the draft is trading down. If we don't trade down, then something I think went wrong in the Dolphins draft room. Just because there's no no real pick of value for Dolphins at three. They're not going to be able to pick at six, seven, or eight, or nine even, right? Because let, let's be honest. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are going to go before six, right? That means that of the top six players, four are going to be quarterback, right? That leaves Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Penny Sewell, um, Kyle Pitts. Um, I know I'm missing some people. Um even Mika Parsons, even though I think he's going to fall dramatically given his off-field issues. Patrick Sertain, um, Rashawn Slater. I mean, there's a bunch of talent there that you're going to be able to pick later than six. So I'd say trade down, get me some assets, get me a next, a next year's first, get me another two this year, and just pick up a player that works for you at eight, six, seven, whatever. Well, yeah, that, I, I, that's the whole goal, right? And But I'm saying for sure – if you trade down to where a lot of people think we're going to fall to like seven, eight, nine, he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. Look, I, I, don't know. I think this is a very good draft when we talk about white receivers. I think it's a very good draft when we talk about offensive linemen. Uh, there's even some edge players there that I think provide good value for the Dolphins. Um, you know, Gregory Rousseau, I know a lot of people like him. Uh, obviously, Kyle Pitts. You've got Christian Deriso. You know, there, there's a lot of good players that you're going to be able to pick in that 5 to 12 range. So I see no reason for us to stay at three. I agree. And the, the thing is, like, you're almost going to have to hit uh, hit this draft on the nose because I think there's a huge fall off of talent, like right about the middle of the first round, where it almost just seems like it's... In what positions? In what positions? Yeah, because I think, I you think you're going to be able to find a solid starter, like year one starter at wide receiver in round three. I think you're going to find a good running back in round two and round three. You're going to find good interior linemen up to round three. They're going to be able to come in and start from day one. Same with the offensive tackles, round two. I would say edge players are – there's a huge drop-off after the first round, huge drop-off. Um, I would say linebacker, there's a huge drop-off after round two, probably round three maybe. Um, and tight ends. I think there's a huge drop-off after Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryer moved, who, by the way, I would love for the Dolphins with one of those second-rounders. What was your What was your second tight end? Pat Fryer moved from Penn State. I thought the uh, the Miami tight end was ranked the second overall. Is, I, am I wrong I've about got, that? I've got Pat number two, and I've got Brevin Jordan number three, but quite far away from him. Right, and I, and I do see that there, there's a drop-off after two or three of those tight ends. Okay, yes. well... Let's go to the last question for two amigos for today. And this is this I only bring up as a troll because I know it'll make you angry. And I sent this to you as a DM on Instagram last night. And my boy, my favorite commentator, Colin Coward, was talking about the Dolphins again, putting them in his mouth. 
And every time that happens, Dolphins Twitter goes off because it's usually something mean. Uh, and it was something mean again. It says, okay, two is a bust. You kind of messed up on Tua. It's already proven that he is a bona fide bust. You got to take Justin Fields at three. What do you think? Okay, first of all, let, let's let's see the stats, okay? Let, let's look at Tua's stats before we call him a bust, okay? How many games did he win? Six. Six. All right, how many games did he play? Nine? I think it was six and three, yeah. All right, so six and three, right? He threw for 1,814 yards, 11 touchdowns to five interceptions for an 87.1 rating, okay? He did this after having no OTAs last year because he was in rehab, not having a full training camp, because he was coming off that horrific injury. He came in week four, week five, whatever he did against the Jets, okay? Having almost no time with the first team. He lost his best receiver, the one that he trusted the most in Preston Williams. He lost it halfway through. He had no running game to work with. Because let's be honest, Miles Gaskin was injured for a large amount of the season, right? He had a running back called Salvan Ahmed starting with him in the backfield, okay? Um, he was throwing to a kid named Jakeem Grant who cannot catch to save his life. Okay. <laughs> there were at yeah. least 200 to 300 yards in drop passes from the Dolphins receivers of catchable balls, at least two touchdowns, if not more. Okay. So you cannot in good conscience, look at the facts and say towards the bust, right? I'm not saying he's going to be a hall of famer because we don't know that, but he is at the very least, a very solid quarterback right now for the Dolphins. I, before I respond on that, I want to say that you, you and everyone else on Dolphins Twitter needs to get off of Jakeem Grant's back about that one drop. It wasn't just one drop. Man. It wasn't just one drop. He had at least four drops in tour on different. That was the biggest one because he, first of all, the ball hit his hands. Okay. <laughs> it was a 50 yard bomb that was put right on the basket. And he dropped it. Number two, how many times has he muffed a punt? Seriously. I mean, the guy's fast, but every time he's back there inside or 20, I'm praying that he just lets it bounce and doesn't try to catch it because he's not at all <laughs> shorthanded. Okay. Okay. See, now, this is working, where I need to. And let me tell you something. The reason okay. why he's working with Tua is because he wants to be able to say, oh, I've got chemistry with him now. Please don't cut me, Coach Flores. Right. I agree. He needs chemistry with Tua because nobody has chemistry with Tua yet. Uh, the, the the one thing I will say to to back up Jakeem Grant before I actually move on to this Colin Coward argument a little bit. Uh, not that I just, I'm not even going to go there, right? He, Colin Coward is just trying to get clicks from the Dolphins <laughs> Twitter. That's why I don't even tweet at him or retweet this stuff like he says, man. I know it's insane, but here's what I'll say. Uh, people need to stop posting that video of him dropping that 50-yard dime from Tua uh, because uh, in his defense, he was not drafted as a, as a okay, this is going to be our wide receiver. You know, this hold is going to be... Hold up. For the last three off-seasons, we've had to hear, hear Jakeem Grant going on rants about how he's going to prove that he's a receiver in the NFL. He's not, okay? He's not he was picked a as a specialist. He's a return specialist and a kickoff return specialist. You have actually seen back there fielding punts again, then there's something wrong. Okay. And I, I, the thing is, he does muff a lot of a lot of punts, but he's also, he's got that extra gear. And I've never seen any returner for the Dolphins return as many touchdown punts and, and kicks than Jakeem Grant. Oh, I like Jakeem. Titkin had two kickoff returns for a touchdown in a single game. 
Okay. Let's not go out there and trash Ted Ginn, who, by the way, was a better receiver than Jakeem Grant. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I just want people off his back. He's just he's just a five foot eight, uh, one hundred pound uh, little guy, and people keep trashing him. Okay, I'll here's what I'll say: If Jakeem Grant comes into our podcast to talk about his funniest memory from last year, I will never criticize him again. Right. And is, don't you like uh, don't you like Devonte Parker's relationship with him? That's so wholesome. Dude, I love Devonte Parker and I love the unk. And I used to love watching the, the animated show, which I'm not sure if there's been new episodes, but I haven't seen it. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I think Devante Parker is a great, great number two receiver. Like if we give Devante Parker, Jalen Waddle on the other side, Rashad Bateman, um, Jamar Chase on the other side, then Devante Parker is going to go off because he's going to be able to play against single coverage and not having a defense focus on him. Right. Which is, uh, it's, a, it's a little hard for, you to pay a, a number two wide receiver like we're paying Devontae Parker. But, it's I mean, not, whatever. He's expensive, man. Let's be honest. He's not that expensive. I mean, comparably to Preston Williams or something like that, I guess. But, you know, here's here's my last thing. Okay. So, the Colin Coward thing is dumb. I do like the idea of drafting quarterbacks, even though you have a quarterback. But at three, that's ridiculous. And um, the final thing I will say is that and here's my question for you. At this point in time, uh, disregard everything else, all right? The future, what you think that the future for Tua is, would you have gone back, if you could, and changed that pick from Tua to Herbert? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I wouldn't. I still think Tua is going to be the better quarterback. I think he's a much better leader than Herbert, and I think leadership matters. I think he's got a stronger mental build than Herbert. I mean, Herbert was sacked by the Dolphins defense and basically destroyed and basically went back into an Avril Lavigne uh, makeover last last season and cut his hair from one, one week to the next just based on what Dolphins did to them, all right? I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want my quarterback to going out on, like, makeover tours and say that they're a whole new person and stuff like that every time they have a bad game. I want Tua. I want my guy who's going to go in, figure out what he did wrong and work at it and become better the next day. And I agree because we are the two amigos. And I'll tell you right now, Tua is a special player. He's going to be a superstar. And my last statement, he's the chosen one. I mean, it just seems prophesized that he's the chosen one. And so I'm, I'm sticking to him. And let's say that, let's say, Tua, please come to our show. We know you listen to it. We know you love it. Um, honestly, yeah. people that listen to our show, just send tweet to Carter or to Finn Maniacs or to me. Uh, just let us know you're listening and you're liking it or, you know, we're going to stop doing this show because we do it for you guys. You got that right. We threaten you on the way out. Thanks so much, Jorge. Thank you, Carter. This has been Two Amigos. See you next week.